Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Missy Hyatt, The Walking Riot, and I say that you need to save with Conrad. Jim Ross told me, you need to go with Conrad, he'll save you money. And he did. You guys helped me out great. And when I refinanced it and paid off everything, I think my payment was only $8 more a month. I probably saved at least over $30,000. They make everything so easy for you. Go to Save with Conrad if you want to refi your mortgage or anything with your mortgage. Just go to Save with Conrad. Hey guys, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Need to call a timeout real quick here. I wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my world listeners for a while now. It's about all the incredible things happening over on adfreeshows.com. We're kicking off 2023 with an all-new edition of Title Chase as Conrad dives into the moments, memories, and matches of the 10 pounds of silver, the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Man, I am doing great. Uh, like my friend Steve Kern likes to say, gratitude is the attitude, and that's where I'm at. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, I had a blast talking about the old WCW Heavyweight Championship with you recently, and we thought, hey, let's uh, let's get down a rabbit hole about something maybe a little more old school. Tell everybody what you're holding there. I am holding the 10 pounds of silver NWA United States Heavyweight Championship belt. We get a peek behind the curtain on an all-new edition of The Insiders as Conrad sits down with former WWE writer and current Impact producer Jimmy Jacobs. You start to realize that you're one weird interaction with events away from being in the doghouse or being fired. And then you just start to behave in a way to try to not get fired. And then your ideas become ideas in an effort to not get fired. And pretty soon you have a whole bunch of people that are playing to not lose. No spray tans necessary on our latest premium watch-along event, as Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick sat down for the first time ever to discuss what really happened in one of the biggest and most infamous main events in history, Starcade 97. It's been 25 years 
since it happened. And this is the first time that we've ever talked about. Nobody came to me that night after the match in the locker room, on the at the TV the next day. You know, it was just we we, we just moved on from it. You know, and uh, uh, but uh, I, I did what I was supposed to do out of out, out of the deal. You know, I don't know what was told in the production meeting, what people were expecting. And, you know, I was getting pulled. I was getting pulled from from two different sides. Hey, that's just a small taste of what Ad Free Shows has waiting for you, including a brand new perk, getting to join in on the live recordings of the shows with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. That's right. Sign up today at adfreeshows.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and welcome to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, how are you, man? Ha ha ha! Happy New Year. You know, I yeah, I wish I could play air guitar. I can't do it. Wait, what I can is do that? drums? I could do drums, you know, and this, but not not to the beat. Well, let's just let's just try. Like, just show us what your air guitar would look like if you. That could. was it. Oh that's yeah, that's it. I don't know what to do with my fingers over here. Uh, just yeah, I can't do it. Uh, how are you? Here's a peek behind the curtain. Uh, we had a lot going on this last week. Me without internet for six days and. You trying to do two live TV shows a week, you know, usual. usual. And, and so we're recording at the crack of dawn on new year's day, but you look fresh as a daisy. What time that, of night did you go to bed on new year's Eve? About six 30, uh, nine 27. That checks out PM. Yeah. Okay. I'm sleepy. Right. How about you? Um, much later than that. I enjoyed two of the best playoff games of all time. And it doesn't seem like you maybe had much interest in that. No, did Silva even wake up? Well, that's true. Uh, you and I were ready. Gosh, well, before time to record, you know, being the professionals, we are professionals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, listen, we decided we wanted to, uh, start the new year with a bang, if you will. So today's show is ask me questions and shit. That's what Bruce likes to call a Q and a, that's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we, we've had a lot of fun with some sort of all over the place topics. Our box of gimmicks episode, Bruce was very well received. Uh, what'd you think of, uh, our box of gimmicks show? Uh, a lot of fun. Some of those gimmicks, I kind of had tried to black out and forget. And, uh, many of them, I would just like to black out and forget. Earl title that. But somebody has to, you know, bring that back up. Well, let's bounce around. We're going to cover a lot of topics today. And you know what? We're going to cover a lot of topics this coming year. We're going to cover Royal Rumble 93, SummerSlam 93, Dixie Carter, Over the Edge 98, X-Pac, WrestleMania 5, Victory Road 2011, Survivor Series 2008, which I think was your last show with WWE back in the day. And. Man, just a lot of fun stuff. Actually, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I guess technically you didn't make the full show. That's so, right. Yes. We'll cover all the way up until the show. And then when it's time to talk about the pay-per-view, we'll just cut it off. Anyway, let's so, 
And I had a, a hopeful one of these, Conrad, you know, right before we went on the air too. And it was right here on the edge of my desk. And as I was preparing to be early, okay, so that we could start precisely at the time that we said we would start. Exactly. No hiccups whatsoever. None. Uh, I spilt an entire full all over the place. And um, what's in that today? Is that Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi or what are you doing? Uh, this is a Grape Gatorade. Oh, Grape Gatorade. You spilled Grape Gatorade all over your desk? All over Every I got, I have the, I have the rug in my office all pulled back, the pad underneath, and all down the side of this desk, and yeah, well, I did a good number on this one, and thank, and thankfully my wife in the new year has proven to be like right Johnny on the spot and came in here and graciously helped me get to, get, <laughs> get me to where I'm doing this instead of that. So, she is a patient woman, and you know what she said to me what. She says, where the hell Silva? Why aren't you guys going? I thought you guys were going at a certain time. And I know you're always early here and, I, and I'll have everything ready before the time, but isn't that crazy, Conrad? It you is. Know, producer producer it is. is usually the first one that's there. I mean, you would think that if we had an 8 a.m. call time, he would mm-hmm. have had like a, maybe a 730, right? Well, Okay. I mean, you run a looser ship than I do, but yeah, I mean, 7.30, I guess is okay. Well, you kind of run this ship and he showed up about 10 after eight. So sad. Are we going to, are you going to write him up? Is he going to the principal's office? Uh, we're going to give him a, a PIP performance improvement plan. Oh, I got you. See how he does. You know that, you know, that old HR talk. You're an old HR guy. I'm not an HR guy. You uh, are an HR guy. Let's you sh- own you own so many corporations. Will you stop it? It's just the corporation to run your mansions. Oh my! With the gosh. staffing and uh, and all of that, that in and of itself is a corporation, which requires HR requirements. <sighs> Bryant wants to know: Does Bruce think there is a gimmick match that is done so often that the appeal of the match has been lost? I think they all have been. Really? I yeah. I think that overall that gimmick matches are overused. Um and y- you find you get a fallback, man. Where oh hey, that was really great. Well, let's go to that. In in the old days, you got a cage match maybe once, maybe twice a year. Mm. I know I'm going back to the olden days and stuff, you know, when wrestles, wrestling. But uh, I think that most gimmicks starting in, I think ECW in that genre, the hardcore, yeah, where nothing meant anything, that there became a tendency to rely on gimmicks for a match because either guys couldn't work or it was just easier. And it was Paul, ba- yeah, Paul Bosch. And Jim Ross and, and let's have slack night. All right, I got an idea. How about how about we have slack night? Um, Sassafras. Did you say um, slack night? Slack night. What what is slack night? You know, I've explained this on here. Thank you for paying attention to uh, to, to what I say. But um, slack night back in the day. So we're talking fifties uh, and sixties. Okay, was a ploy to 
get women to come to the matches, come to the live events. And what they would do is if a woman showed up in slacks, then she got in half price. So slack night, if women wore pants, for folks that don't know what slacks are, uh, women wore pants, they got in for half price at night because women always wore dresses normally in the 50s and 60s. So every time that JR would uh, put like at the top of the page and he would send us the suggested card from Mid-South, it'd be like fan appreciation night or uh, Texas is great night or, you know, uh, Houstonians love Houston night. That, that kind of thing. Paul would be just like, oh, I guess we're having slack night. Huh? Mm. And that's what slack night is. And it's a gimmick to get people to come to the matches who maybe wouldn't ordinarily come to wrestling matches. I know you sort of blame DCW for, uh, normalizing so many gimmick matches, but if we're really going to wag our finger in that direction, it should probably be pointed at Memphis. Should it not? I mean, they were the Kings of the gimmick match. Oh, they, they definitely were. I would say though, mainstream when, you know, ECW was being seen and had, they had a niche audience that, uh, it became more prevalent with them because it was so much and it was, it was extreme, you know, if you will, but every match was more or less a gimmick in Memphis. Yeah, definitely a lot of gimmicks there. And, but then there were territories like New York, very seldom did you see, you know, you got maybe say, maybe, as I said before, maybe a cage match, maybe two cage matches a year, things like that. Houston, the cage was a huge deal. Um, with Wahoo McDaniel, you would get a Indian strap match, but Texas death matches again, they were, they were in for infrequently used. I, uh, I don't think we can really talk about gimmick matches in the WWE without talking about the most special one of all, which I think really is just perfectly explained with your point. The Royal rumble is a gimmick match that fans are not tired of, and they still get excited about. And to your point, it's because they do it once a year, right? Yeah. You, you're not going to see, you're not going to see, uh, the Kansas city Royal rumble. And then four weeks later, see the Tampa, Florida Royal rumble. And then six weeks after that, we're going to have the Royal rumble in San Francisco. You get it one time a year, right? And it, it's a special match that people anticipate they're, they're excited about seeing it. And if you did it more than once a year, people be, ah, oh, God, man, I, I don't care who's coming out next. Let's do another one here. This one comes to us from Rajiv. He says of all the positions you've held in wrestling, which one was your favorite and why? Oh, wow. I think the one where I bent over and can't, oh, wait, sorry. What you meant? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, that's a that's a good question. I, I think people always ask me, "Hey, do you miss performing? And yeah. do you miss being in front of the camera?" And the answer to that is yes, of course I do. Uh, I, I enjoy performing. I, I like to perform. Okay, I'm a goddamn performer, but I I enjoy the role behind the scenes probably the most 
because then you're not just doing one character. You're not just doing one part of the show. You're doing all of it. So you get to be all the characters. You get to be everybody and you get to put yourself in their situations and, and how, how would this play out and create for everybody. So being behind the scenes and, and just creating in general is my absolute favorite thing to do. I think from a, uh, selfish standpoint, when I was at uh, Impact the last time, and I, they brought me in under the proviso of just being a talent for the short few weeks that that was of just being a talent. That was fun because I didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about everybody else. And I only got to think about my one part in the show. Right. And, and that worked out for me. That was good. That was fun. Uh, Scott Blaine wants to know who are your favorite guest referees of the past? Like perhaps Jesse Ventura at SummerSlam 99. You know, uh, I think my favorite of all time, people are going to go who, what, uh, was bull Curry, bull Curry, old time wrestler from the fifties and sixties, wild man, bull Curry had bushy hair, big bushy eyebrows and everything. And was a legit tough guy. He, Worked, I believe, in Buffalo, New York, as uh, in the jail there. He he kind of ran the jail, but a tough guy, big name in the South. He was actually his big name everywhere. But one thing Bull did was Bull would like hold his ear and shit like this. But when Bull Curry came in as a special guest referee, you knew shit was happening because Bull. Bull would get into it with everybody. He'd get into it with the the heel. He'd get into it with the baby face. And you knew there was going to be mayhem in a fight. And by God, Bull was going to make sure there was a winner come hell or high water. Uh, so of all time, I go back to my childhood. I go back to my uh, early adulthood. And it was Bull Curry because he was just so much, so much fun. And you knew he didn't, and, and, and he didn't have to have a, an issue with anybody in the match. It was just the issue in the match was so volatile that the only person that could possibly control this was wild bull Curry. So that, that was the beauty about bringing bull in and he, he did it very well. And, and over the years, I think, you know, in recent memory, one guy that was um, Tyson was good. Um, but Buster Douglas was really good <laughs> as is a guest referee. I enjoyed working with him through that. And, um, but for me all time, bull Curry, heck of an answer. Don't think of what against that one. Kevin wants to know what's the top angle or story that clicked or over delivered in an unexpected way. I think, uh, uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, the, the, that's the funny thing that you don't even think of because they became so big. Canaan, Undertaker. Yeah. Nobody would have that, ever guessed it would have done what it did. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a one-off. Yeah. That was, Hey, we need a match, uh, became a, a career. <laughs> you know, I think that the, the Vince Austin thing was, um, a one-off to get to mankind. Didn't think that would take off the way that it did. Wasn't meant to, wasn't written that way originally, really. Right. Um, so the, those, to really stick out in my head, you know, more than anything of, of like, wow, no, nobody saw that one coming. 
Well, I'll tell you something you may not have seen coming. Jimmy's famous seafood.com. You want to talk about unexpected. You weren't expected to have a life-changing experience with Jimmy's famous seafood, but you did. You weren't expected to enjoy the best crab cakes in the world, but you did all because you went to Jimmy's famous seafood.com. Now, listen, if you've thought about this in the past, you probably thought, man, they're going to kill me on the shipping because I have to admit I've ordered high end groceries as my dad would say like this before. And then the shipping, is going to be like almost what I was paying for the actual stuff. But what if you could get it shipped free nationwide? That's right. Jimmy's famous seafood is shipping nationwide. And with our promo code, you can get all of your orders over 125 bucks shipped to you for free. The promo code you need, of course, is wrestle and wrestle is going to get you shipped Maryland crab cakes, the very best in the world. Shipping's free. It's going to get you the soups, the chowders, the oysters, all of it shipped to you for free. How about the signature steaks, the desserts, the gluten-free items? They got something for everybody. And listen, I know what you're thinking. Am I really going to order a steak from Jimmy's? You should. To this day, the best prime rib I've ever had was at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. They got the famous gift box, which has four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, a crab dip, seafood seasoning, their signature bay sauce. Oh, and how about if you're trying to get ready for those NFL playoffs, the old tailgate bundle, two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip, crab cake mix, even create your own package. I've never had a bad experience at Jimmy's and neither has anybody, you know, seriously, they've been all over TV forever family owned business four or five decades deep, great guys, but the spot for wrestling, it's the most famous wrestling restaurant in the world. And now you don't have to come to Baltimore. Baltimore comes to you. It's Jimmy's famous seafood.com. Bruce, can we say enough nice things about these crab cakes? Well, uh, I had crab cakes, the crab dip and crab soup. At Christmas, there you go. And we had we had guests over, and one of the guests is an owner of a seafood restaurant in Norwalk, Connecticut. Wow! Right, right on the water. And he sat there picking at his Jimmy's famous crab cake. Yep. And said, "Wow." He says, "This because I'm trying to figure this out." He goes, "This best crab cake I've ever had." Boom. He goes, "He says there's no filler." He goes, "There's no nope. nothing." He goes, "He goes this is." This is, this is just a crab cake. Yeah. This is amazing. This is this is absolutely amazing. And got up and had another one, and it was the one that I wanted for later. Fuck him. Yeah. But he did love his uh, Jimmy's crab cake. We had a great Christmas with Jimmy's, and uh, we had the crab cakes, the soup, and the dip. Check it out, guys. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com. I had the stuffed shrimp and the crab balls, but they're exactly right. You're... Uh, your, your restauranteer friend, no filler, just crab. And now yep. free shipping with the promo code wrestle at Jimmy's famous seafood.com. As our old pal, Jr. says it costs nothing to look Jimmy's famous seafood.com. The promo code is wrestle Bruce. Uh, here's a good question here from Joe. Can you describe the anticipation you felt when Austin is standing next to you about to run in and help Foley win the title? Of course, we're right around that time of year where people start talking about that. 
most people still regard it as being the loudest pop in wrestling history, which is a sentence that you would think would have a lot of argument, but I almost never hear any argument for it. You're lucky enough to be in the building when it happens. And some of the most fun I know you have is creating or, or just the anticipation because you know, what's going to happen and, and fans don't, and you, you, you hope it gets a reaction and you hope they respond and boy, it delivers. What was that like just standing next to Austin right before it happens? You know, uh, it's going to sound strange. It was another night. Okay. You know, it, it was, it was another night at work. The beauty about uh talent like Steve and, and I'll throw in, you know, Hulk, <laughs> rock Cena that were that hot. And there was nobody in the business, even remotely close to Stone Cold Steve Austin at that time. And that glass breaks and that crowd goes banana. Pat Patterson would say it, it's, when you stop getting goosebumps, get out. Right. But it was a goosebump moment. It was also just, okay, it's time time to go. Let's go do this. And, and that, I know that sounds weird, but it's, hey, man, it's another moment. We, we create moments. We create, we create moments in time that people can go back to and go, you know, hey, where were you when this happened or whatever? Well, I was working. But it was still great. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Here's one from, uh, Anthony Valadez. When the shit hits the fan, what's Bruce's favorite song to turn to for Zen and tranquility. When things turn to what shit, like when, when, shit. when, when, when the shit hits the fan, when the shit hits the fan, do you have a song that you like? Oh man, this will calm me down. I tried to explain this to somebody the other day as well. Um, I just kind of. I swallow anxiety. I swallow stress in those moments when the shit's hitting the fan is usually when I am at my utmost calm. So I, I don't, I don't hear anything. I don't, I don't hear Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I don't hear Back in Black. I don't hear Dude Looks Like a Lady. I just hear calm. And I, block out all the noise and I block out and I put my protectors up so that none of the caca that may be hitting the fan that could get on me uh, so that it doesn't get on me. So there's no song. It's just tranquility. 
and that's where I'm, I'm in my happy place. You've been in your happy place a lot in wrestling then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's, uh, I love to hear guys go, oh, yeah, I'm a game day guy in, in many ways. I'm a game day guy. Um, I like to be in it and because that's when the decisions that you make are most important. It's like, Oh my God. Uh, you know, this guy just, just got hurt and isn't going to be able to, to stand up and do this. What are we going to do? And call it, call it on the fly or, Oh crap. I'm 72 minutes, uh, heavy on a 60 minute show. What am I going to do? Um, those kind of fun things. Lindsay wants to know, Bruce, how do you feel about Aerosmith canceling concerts? <sighs> Pissed. Come on, man. They had four concerts left. Yeah. Four. Four. Are you watching George and Tammy by any chance? I am. I love it. Yes. Okay. Man, tape him. Tape him to the floor on the stage. And start playing around him. Play a track if you need to, man. But guaranteed, once he's on the floor and he starts hearing the music, he's going to... Oh. Dude, dude, look like a lady. Yeah. yeah. Cruising to a bar on the shore. The picture creates the crime on the door. Long lost, living for sight. Okay. Thought I was wrong. Wait, wait, wait. I thought I was, I don't know. Zoe Lopez wants to know what's your favorite entrance set of all time? Pay-per-views and TV shows included. Entrance set. So one that stands out. (laughs) I plenty to stand out. You you know, uh, I wasn't there, but I absolutely, I I really liked the one they did in universal studios for, uh, WrestleMania, not they did it in Orlando, but it was like a theme park. That one, that one, and the MetLife Statue of Liberty in New York City skyline, two of my favorites that I've seen over the years. While I was there, I think that some of the stuff that we used to do with tables, ladders, and chairs and stuff were pretty neat. I think a lot of fans like the old Armageddon set with the big hooks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Francis Reyes says, what was the main difference between your WWE office back then to now? And have you got a new fridge set up with blood orange in the new WWE building already? Well, I'm not, uh, we're not in the new building yet. And, uh, that's been a a process. Has it not? Huh? That's been a process. Has it not? Yeah. It's, I mean, COVID kind of. Stop things down. People stopped yeah. working Yeah, for about a year. So uh, definitely. But I, I think what the difference will be is uh, it'll be bigger. I'll have a balcony. And, Whoa. You know I mean? A balcony. Look at a you. Balcony. Yeah. Pretty neat. How about that? Pretty neat. I'll be able to walk outside and throw myself over the edge. Um, Jump. No. Yes. Please. Friend of the Stop sh- pushing me. Oh. Friend of the show, Harry Smith says, I want to ask and know when is nails going into the WWE hall of fame? That, that may be one of those nevers. <laughs> it's a good storyline. I, I don't, I don't know that nails, you know, had a, a hall of fame career really, um, anywhere. 
I don't think he was in the business long enough to do that. He came in as Thor, came in as um, Kevin something, and then Nails was just so short-lived. He wasn't around long enough to really have have a career that people go, oh, hey, man, remember that? It was, oh, hey, did that deal with Boss Man. And they almost did something with Undertaker. So, yeah, I, I don't see that one happening. Chaz wants to know, my question here is of all the wrestlers you've ever traveled with or ridden with, who was your favorite? And do you have any funny road story with them? Who was your favorite riding partner in all the Oh, Jerry Briscoe. Okay. Uh, bar none, Jerry Briscoe. We had so much fun traveling together. Um, no matter what, no matter where we were, no matter we would have, you remember, um, so back in the day. Okay. Folks, this is before you had your cell phone and it has, you know, ways and stuff like that. Had these uh, maps. We had, we had Rand McNally. Yeah. yeah. We had Rand McNally map, but then they came up with this thing called Garmin. That in Hertz, some cars had it, and you had to pay extra, like $4 a day, and you could push the screen, if it weren't, and put your address in that you wanted to go to. And there would be this female voice that would tell you what to do. Yeah. Well, Jerry and I called her a bitch in a box. Oh. Because I swear that bitch would give us incorrect directions. Because we had been to the places we went to before, and we knew better. And we would listen to her, and she would tell us to go a certain way, and that ain't the way you go, you bitch. Wow. And so she she was bitching a box. And um, no matter what, man, Jerry and I would, would always, always get lost. However, at the end of the night, when we knew we're getting close to that hotel, we would pop in a little uh, George Jones, Merle Haggard, born with the blues. That was my hero, you know. And we would say, <laughs> we would, we would try to anticipate so that when we would pull up to that hotel, born with the blues, and then that would be a perfect trip. Wow. Okay. But Jerry was a good wheel man. Jerry was dependable, old 10-2 double nickel. And we had an absolute, just an absolute blast. We we would try to see how on different cars, you know how they would tell you, you've got uh, 62 miles to empty. Oh, hell, I can get, I, I, I can go further than that. Or I bet you, you, can, you can't go that far, can you? <laughs> and, that, that one bit us in the ass. Um, I know it bit me at least one time. But you kind of got to roll as far as you can and hope somebody's going to come by and either push you to the gas station or the gas station is close enough to walk to. How far away those, were you? Huh? When you ran out, how far away were you? Well, I didn't think. I thought I was okay. I thought I was okay because I was on the. I saw the gas station on the right side of the road. And this was on I-10, Interstate 10 in between San Antonio and Houston. And I dropped Jerry off and I was going to drive home to Houston. And I thought the gas station was on the right and it was on the left. Uh. And the car started sputtering 
and uh, and I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, man, shit, I hope I make it. I made it all the way to the exit, and I look, and it's like, oh, shit, man, I got to get on the other side. And I started to make the turn on the other side, and it just kind of stopped going. Yeah, rolled for a little bit, and I went over, and it was a truck stop, and guy came over and helped me get the car over there, and we pushed it. Just, you know. Oh, so you didn't go get a can of gas. You pushed it the rest of the way. Yeah, we pushed it the rest of the way into the gas station. It was probably, I don't know, 200 yards. Oh, you were real close. Good for you. Yeah. But I thought it, it never actually goes out. Right. But yes, people, it does. It does. It does. <laughs> and then I called the manufacturer one time. And I said, hey, I got a question for you. This this thing on my uh, little computer here says only got four miles to empty, but there's not another gas station, probably about another seven. So how much you think I really, really have? He says, four miles. I said, yeah, but you know those things aren't real. And he says, yes, sir, they are now. And he was wrong. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. There is some gas in the lines, right? So... Yeah. Uh, Jason, All I know is I made it to the gas station and it says, uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe the sign on the roads are wrong. Give you false hope. Maybe. Like, like 31 miles to the next Bucky's. Yeah. You know, uh, Beaver Nuggets in 22 miles. We've got fudge in 17 miles at Bucky's. <laughs> are you hungry yet? Would you like some nice, fresh brisket cut just for you? Bucky's is only 12 miles down the line. Hey y'all, nothing like Bucky's jerky, and you're seven miles away right now. Cleanest restrooms in Texas at Bucky's, and they're only four miles away. Don't go in a dirty bathroom. Yeah, I like shit like that. Jason T. Lachance says, Is there any quality about the Ultimate Warrior that you admired? Ungodly charisma. The Ultimate Warrior had uh oozed charisma. And when he went out and also no matter where he was, you know, he looked like somebody and oozed charisma. There you go. Chris, he was exciting. That's fair to say. Chris wants to know if Bruce was around in 91, 92 and proposed a Hulk heel turn that Hulk liked. Does Bruce think that the two of them, if they conversed with the Irishman, could have gotten Vince on board with a Hogan heel run or was Vince just never going to buy it uh, in early nineties. Vince was never going to buy Hulk being a heel. There was too much invested in the character of Hulk Hogan being that ultimate baby face and being the Babe Ruth of the company that Vince didn't even want to entertain or look at possibility of him being a heel. It was like, no, the, the audience sees him one way and he will forever be Hulk Hogan. And we need to protect that entity because it's not just having matches in the ring. It's your licenses. It's um, international television. It's, it's everything all consumed that adds up a lot more than what you did in Allentown, Pennsylvania on a Tuesday night. Who is a celebrity that Brit that Bruce wishes he could have worked with in WWE? Uh, John Madden. 
John Madden, man, we tried for such a long time. John Madden to do color commentary for WrestleMania was our goal for the longest time. We thought he was a perfect fit. John was a fan. John wanted to do it, but John didn't travel by plane. And in order to get John to our destination of WrestleMania on the three times that at least I worked on and tried to make happen, it just feasibly couldn't take place because of where John was in the country with his bus. But I would have loved to have had John Madden to do color commentary with Gorilla or Vince for an entire WrestleMania. And, and he knew it, man. He knew it. He knew the show. He knew the characters. He, he loved the characters. I, I would have probably wanted to put him with, um, with Vince and Bobby than Gorilla because he was so much like Gorilla in, in his delivery and the things that, that he saw and the way that he saw the business. You brought up announcers. Hands down, number one. Paul wants to know what would be your Mount Rushmore of all time commentators? Um, Bruce Pritchard, Mike McGurk, uh, Pete Doherty and well, Mike Adam. Thanks for tuning in to something to wrestle folks. Uh, Bruce his uh, his nose, his Pinocchio. You don't like that? His nose is Pinocchioed all the way to Stanford. Dude, that come on, that was that would be a great Mount Rushmore. People would people would flock for inches to see that. <laughs> so listen, most people would say, yeah. I don't know, Gordon Soley, Jim Ross, uh, maybe some Lance Russell, maybe a little Tony Schiavone, depending on what you grew up on. Come on now, who's on your Mount Rushmore? Uh, well, I, I, okay. I have, uh, there's gotta be a couple because see, to me, Paul Bosch would have had to be on there because that's what I grew up with. Right. And everybody that grew up, you had your own local guy. Yes. So if you were in that realm of the seventies and things like that, you'd put Paul Bosch and Gordon Soley and Lance Russell, um, maybe even Bill Mercer in there. But those are only you know, the guys I remember that, that I can name. Sure. Over. Who? I said, sure. No, I'm agreeing with you. Everybody's got yeah. their favorites they grew up with. Um, I think overall, wow. Uh, I think Jr. would be in there for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, then it gets, then it gets iffy. Um, maybe for the old timers, Gordon could be in there, but I think for the WWF crowd, they'd probably put Vince and Monsoon. All right, so Vince, Monsoon, uh, Jim, and uh, Bosch. Gordon. Okay. okay. Well, I'm saying like for a an overall. You don't put Bobby Heenan in that list. Bobby was a color commentator. Well, I mean, it just says. I mean, if you're looking for a play-by-play, if you're looking for color commentators, that's yeah. a whole different, different ball game. Well, it just says all-time commentaries, but I'm sure he means commentators. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura were two of the best color commentators that there ever was. All right, so let's start over. Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan. Gorilla Piper. Okay. Now, I'm going old school Rod Piper. Rod Piper. 
from Georgia Championship Wrestling is a color commentator. He was absolutely excellent. And Michael Hayes. So if I'm looking at color commentators, those are the four best. Absolutely. Well, well listen, I think we're, uh, I think the spirit was just talking heads, not necessarily play by play or color. But they have different roles. You have no, a play by play guy that, that has one job and, and a play by play. A lot of play-by-play guys cannot do color. Color right. guys cannot do play-by-play. They're, they're very distinctively different jobs and, and with a unique skill set to each. So it's um, they're play-by-play guys that I thought, hey, he'd be a good color guy that completely shit the bed and vice versa. I think the only guy that could do both would be Corey Graves. He was actually real. He's like criminally underrated. I think, you know, I think people much like Michael Cole, they'll look back one day and say, you know, I don't think we gave him enough credit. I think that way about Corey Graves. I don't know why people sleep on him, but I think he does a great job. Yeah, he does. And, and, and Michael, you know, look, Michael is the voice of the last 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, more power to him as well. Well, and, mo- great and more power to you. If you're looking to spend some time with the family in the new year, uh, I know who can help our friends at camper max. Let's hit the road. Y'all specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs that can be delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right. Get hooked up from your office, your cell phone or your couch, and then deliver it to your door. So click or call and find out how easy it is to start enjoying the RVing lifestyle. How easy is it? The camper max discount will fit any budget offering easy financing with extended terms. It really is just too easy. Visit CamperMax.com. That's two X's in max camper M a X X.com or give them a shout two, five, six, three, two, zero, seven, zero, three, three. Home of the max discount. These are longtime friends of mine. They've been in the RV business a long, long time. If you've ever heard of our crew traveling to a WrestleMania or a big pay-per-view or whatever in an RV, it was because my buddy Rod hooked it up. So be sure to drop my name when you go to campermax.com or call 256-320-7033. Just let them know Conrad sent you and they'll give you that friend of a friend discount. Campermax.com, the home of the max discount. By the way, if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, hang in there. My buddy Rod's working on that now, but he won't just sell you and get you hooked up with a new RV or fifth wheel or travel trailer, whatever you're looking for. He'll even buy your old one off you. It's Campermax.com, C A M P E R M A X X.com. Maybe that's what we need to do, Bruce. We need to film like a, like a road rules version of wrestling. Put a bunch of different wrestling personalities together in an RV. Yeah, you have as long no. As I want them here. Yeah, that would be fun. Just you and me, though. <laughs> no wrestling people. Just okay. I, that would be fun. Just you and me. And, oh, you know what? Just you and me, and I got one other person, and I'm gonna probably regret even saying this and asking this and doing what I'm about to do. Okay. What about you, me and John Paul Shelnut. Oh my God. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine having him on FaceTime right now and Dude, talking to him? Best thing ever. Audience. You dare me? No, don't do that. We're having a good show. We're gonna, we're I know, but we, we can bring it to a screeching halt. Come on, just we'll say happy, and, and I'll try and hold the phone up like that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. No, 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 no. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Come on. Come on. What if I accidentally hit it? Oh, my God. Hoop's dad wants to know. There's Steamboat. No, wait, 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 wait. wait. I, There's no telling if he's going to answer or not. Can you hear it? We're really doing this? Yeah, I think so. He won't answer. Is he going to answer? John. John Paul Shelnut. Shelnut. Hey, happy birthday. Now, listen, listen, before you say another word, all right, you are on something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. Right now. Oh man. oh man. Now I'm gonna hold you so that so that our audience our audience can now see you on uh on on YouTube if they're watching on YouTube. Say hi to Conrad. Hey man. Hey Conrad. Oh, you can't hear him, but he no. says hey man. Yeah. Okay. Miss you, bud. <laughs> this is riveting audio right here. This, this, this is riveting audio. I'm going to put them over here so you can hear them better. You got anything special planned for uh, Thanksgiving, John Paul? Get so we can see your face, damn it. Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. All right, I like that. I dig that. Uh, say Happy New Year, John Paul. Happy New Year, fellas. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you. We love you. And uh, this is already going 100,000 times better than I thought it would. But I love you, and I'll talk to you later. Hi, man. Okay, what do you say when you sign off? Rock on. Rock on. All right, man. Rock on. I'll talk to you later on today. <laughs> Bye. Uh oh, how do I get out of this, Conrad? Okay. okay. I don't Bye. know. I ask myself that all the time. Huh? Hoops Dad wants to know Steamboat 91. Why did y'all waste him? Why no push? Steamboat 91. Was he a fire breathing dragon yet? He was. That's why. That's when you made him breathe far. Well, he's got a damn dragon, Conrad. What? Are, yeah, I'm not complaining. Dragons to do. Just saying. Piff the magic dragon like sneezes fire. Ricky, like. Psh. Are you more interested in just FaceTiming your friends for the rest of the show? Is that he, what we he, want to do today? No, I. But that was a great gimmick. I thought that was excellent. And I think that, you know, uh, Ricky being back out on the road again, just kind of reaffirmed everything that the reason that he didn't want to be back on, on the road and why he left in the first place. That's really what I wanted to ask. You know, most people sort of view him. Uh, I, I shouldn't say most people, a lot of my friends who grew up as big WCW NWA fans, they view him as more of a world champion. My WWF friends who just grew up on that and never really watched the other program. They view Steamboat as more of a intercontinental champion. In your opinion, do you think Vince was ever sold on Steamboat as a world title main event, you know, a character? I don't think that Ricky had the personality to do that. I, I don't think, you know, Ricky as a human being is one of the kindest, nicest guy that you uh, want to sit and talk to at a bar. And ride from town to town with, and has a pretty sick sense of humor. Great guy, um, but Ricky just didn't have that that personality, that over the top personality to really connect. I think in that way, great wrestler, uh, tremendous performer, but 
you know, try, we tried to give him more personality with the the fire breathing, and that got people to go, oh, holy, holy shit, never seen that before. Right. But beyond that, it was what it was. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Excellent question here from um, Paul. Who decided to start back up the Playboy relationship in the mid-2000s? Were the ladies excited? Was there hesitation with promoting it in storylines on TV? Knowing it might put parents in a tough spot, trying to explain what the magazine is to their children. You know, that's an interesting topic because playboy was such a big part of the pop culture, but I just don't think there was ever any chance in say, you know, the 1980s when, when miss Elizabeth was the pinup for WWE, that they would have ever even considered that. But you know, listen, during the attitude era, it worked, you know, we saw China and we saw Sable and Tori Wilson and a lot of other really successful yeah. campaigns. Uh, is that just, you, you're trying to change with the times or, or talk me through how the playboy relationship came to be and why ultimately it ended. The audience grew up, the audience grew up. So you're talking to a much older audience. Anyway, you weren't programming to the 12 year olds. You were now programmed. Those 12 year olds had grown up and also by that time, I think that Playboy was an iconic brand that everybody did know whether or not a 12 year old had ever looked inside. Most of them probably had, um, they, you know, they knew what Playboy was. They, they saw it on a, everywhere you went, you go to Walgreens, there's a Playboy on the newsstand everywhere you went, there was Playboy and they knew what those bunny ears represented. So I think, you know, Playboy was also trying to kind of class up its act and they were trying to go a little bit more mainstream as well. Um, but it, it just was, um, it was something that came along, something that Playboy approached us about and we approached some of our talent about and some wanted to do it. Some didn't. Paul here wants to know Unforgiven 2001 had Undertaker and Kane facing Brian Adams and Brian Clark known as chronic in WCW. The match was so, so sloppy with the ladder. You can actually hear Taker screaming out spots to them in the middle of the match and getting pissed visibly. Any memories of this? That's one I'd like to black out. Just um, horrible, absolutely positively horrible. Um, you know, I think that Brian, you know, rest his soul and, um, Adam bomb, uh, they, I think they saw them. I think they saw themselves as road warriors or something, or, or they saw themselves as, as equals to Kane and taker or bigger than Kane and taker, but bad doesn't even begin to describe it. It was horrible. And taker was very frustrated because taker was, was a guy that had stood up said, Hey, I'd like to work with, uh, 
Brian and Adam Baum. Uh, me and Brian were good friends and Undertaker more than anyone wanted to see this thing work. It just didn't work. Wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. Was, there was no way you go, oh, hey, well, that the entrance was cool. No, not even that. Just took up time. How long does it take to put together an average WrestleMania stage? I always see photos of them starting what seems to be a month out from the show at times. Does it really take them weeks? To set it up in, in the venue or yes. just in general? To, to, to set it up. We usually start a week ahead of time to set up, uh, because in, in so many cases you you're building, you're building there, you're building it, <laughs> you're building everything there in the venue. And a lot of rigging goes on to make sure that you can hang things properly and safely more than anything, but there's just so much engineering and rigging that takes place ahead of time that will usually start at least a week ahead of time in front of the show. And then it'll usually take three to four days to get it all down and move it all out. Horror movie barbecue wants to know who would Bruce trust Horror movie barbecue. Yep. All right. Who would Bruce trust more? The ultimate warrior to follow directions or Dave Silva to borrow Bruce's car. Oh, good Lord. If the direction was run to the ring, I'm going with warrior. There you go. Cause if the direction was like for, again, to give a fair comparison of why I wouldn't trust Dave Silva would be, Hey Dave, uh, we're going to record at eight today. And, um, we really got to go. Cause we got a tight schedule. Yeah. And, you know, he just wouldn't may or may not happen. Either. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Parody cartoon wants to know, could you tell us a good Bobby Heenan and Andre story? We've not heard before. <laughs> Come on, uh, there's told, there's one. I've told the uh, I've told the screwdriver story, right? Yes, you have. There there was the time that um, Andre got sick, okay, on the streets of New York, and it was very cold, and so Andre just they were on the side of the street and waiting for Andre's car to pull up, and he went. Hmm, I don't feel good. And he he puked. He puked all over, as Bobby Heenan used to call him, his Herman Munsters. And then went, hmm, look out. And right as the car was pulling up, Andre was very careful not to throw up on his own vehicle. He threw up over his limo, all over a taxi cab, and the guy got out and was irate apparently and, and pretended like he wanted to do something about it until he realized it was Andre the giant. And then as Bobby tell the story, <laughs> we're sitting there later on and uh, obviously he goes, go look at uh, Andre's go, go, go look at his feet. I'm like what? He goes, just go look at his shoes. And I'm like, okay. Cause it looked like, uh, you know, like when you walk through snow and everything, you got like the ice and the, the salt and, yeah, you know, maybe chunks of mud and things on there. What's it look like? And I said, well, okay, he needs a shoe shine, I guess. And he goes, 
It's vomit. He threw up <laughs> all over himself. That's vomit on his shoes. And then he went in to tell me the rest of the story. about And uh, Andre could projectile vomit apparently very well. Frank wants to know why was there a change from saying world heavyweight champion and intercontinental heavyweight champion to just world champion and intercontinental champion. The question being, why don't we drop the word heavyweight? Well, then you got to have a middleweight and a lightweight and a flyweight and a bantamweight and a scoot weight and a Furnham state weight and a Nate Nate weight and all that other shit. It's just a champion. You're a champion or you're not. It's, it's, you know, when, when you have Eddie Guerrero as your champion, is he really a heavyweight? Is Rey Mysterio a heavyweight? He's a champion. So just you take that out and because it's, it's, uh, and, and it makes it different from everybody else. I think that's one of the things. And, um, for example, you know, in college in USC, not, or I'm boxing in UFC is what I was trying to say is there's, there's just so many champions that, you know, Hey, I'm a flyweight champion. No, I'm a super flyweight. Well, I'm a double super flyweight. After a while, they mean nothing. You're a champion or you're not. Great question here from Chris. Bruce mentioned that DiBiase was considered to win the title in the fall of 92. If that happened, what scenario would have been more likely DiBiase drops the title to Hogan at WrestleMania nine. Or DiBiase drops the title at WrestleMania nine to a baby face that impresses Vince the most in the lead up to WrestleMania. Yeah. I have no idea if it was during that time. I know in, in 87, 88, you know, we talked about Ted possibly being a champion. I never, ever heard Ted even remotely being considered for anything around WrestleMania nine. Uh, and I wasn't there for WrestleMania eight, but I never heard anything ever of Ted. Well, I think this came about when we were talking about Bret Hart, you know, once it's clear that, Hey, Rick's hurt, he's got this vertigo stuff. We're going to have to get the belt off of him. There's been discussion over the years that the other guy who was heavily considered was Tito Santana, but I guess you guys had just done a European tour and Bret had torn the house down with really great matches over there. And the fanfare was off the charts. So maybe that's why Brett got the nod, but maybe when I asked here on the program, and even, I don't remember this, I said something like, do you know if anyone else was considered? And you may have said, well, DiBiase, but maybe, I mean, yeah, look, there were a lot of guys, everybody that was on the roster was considered at right. that point. Um, but Ted was not seriously considered at all. I think by that time, Ted was dealing with his issues. I was going to say if Ted was given the title there, he was, he would have definitely been a transitional champion to the next baby face guy. Right? Yeah. Ted, Ted was weaning himself off the road. Robbie wants to know, Bruce, please help me understand how booking offices worked. The Houston office, Toronto office are two examples. I hear you speak of, uh, why were some tied to territory systems while others were not, how did a booking office function within the territories? I think our man, Robbie's a little confused, bring some clarity to it, Bruce. So a booking office was the office that all of the talent worked for. So you would bring in, for example, 15, 20 talent, and then the booking office would write and produce the television show. Usually in the home, for example, the Dallas booking office, they would produce TV out, out of Dallas and Fort worth. Then that TV would go out to all the different markets in the surrounding areas. 
and they would book talent in live events all around the area and also uh, spot shows and things on the weekends and things of that nature. The Houston booking office was a completely different animal. Houston only booked Houston. So Houston used the Dallas booking office, used the talent from the Dallas booking office. But Houston produced its own television show that only aired in Houston and immediate surrounding areas of Houston. And Paul also would bring in outside talent. So Paul would bring in the superstar Billy Grahams. Paul would bring in Mel Moscris, El Halcone, and there were Gino Hernandez uh, to another extent who only worked Houston, didn't, didn't necessarily work Dallas at that time. Yes, I know he went on to gain a great deal of success in Dallas, but there was a period that Gino was main eventing in Houston and not even booked in Dallas. So Houston was an entity unto itself. St. Louis was very much like Houston. St. Louis booked, Sam Mushnick booked his cards. Um, he used, he used Fritz, he used Watts, he used um, the Sheik, Vince, uh, everybody to come in and fill out his cards. So it was, um, that's what you did. You had talent that worked for you, and then you uh, would book them to promoters in the markets, and you collected a, a booking fee from that. Um, I really want to ask that one, but I think you might be mad at me, so I'll skip it. Saki the Sock Puppet wants to know, what does pro wrestling mean to people who don't think it's fun? Well, I, th I think you can go back to the answer of what we have always said for years and people who don't believe it's real, you know, for those who believe no explanations needed for those that don't then will do. Right. So I think that you either are you either have fun or you don't, you're, you're a sourpuss. Um, I don't know. Uh, I went to your Alabama football game and, you know, rolling thunder. Yay. Oh, listen. And, to uh, and, but I had fun. I guess, you know, I, I, maybe he was, I think he was asking in terms of when you deal in a professional sense with people outside the WWE bubble. So maybe you're dealing with a sponsor. Maybe you're dealing with a television executive, someone who, for whatever reason, they're considering doing business with WWE, but they just don't quote unquote, get it. I'm sure that's happened before, right? Yeah. I take them to a live event. I'll take them to a premium live event or take them to a live event and show them. Right. Because there's no place else that you can experience it, that you can then walk out into the audience and see the families and see the excitement on a little kid's face when he gets an armband at the merchandise stand where you can actually get caught up in the excitement of a live event. And that's, that's our tool of choice is, well, come check it out and then decide. Don't, don't prejudge us on a preconceived notion that you think is in your head. Come on and, and experience this, have fun with it. And, and, and then afterwards, let us know. But for the most part, I think it's, um, 
come and come and be a part of it. And it's hard not to get swept up in the emotion, in the passion and the fun, because it is fun. You, you can't if you're sitting in the middle of a live event and you're not having fun, man, go home. But don't sleep on wrestling. Uh, I'll tell you that it is going to be effective. If you're thinking about advertising in the space or associating your brand with it, as you know, got a loyal fan base here. And, and I want to remind our loyal fan base that you and I are sleeping better than ever. Thanks oh, yeah. Chili sleep. It's the game changer, man. Now, by the way, sleep me is the new home for chili sleep. Same great sleep, but under a new name. Sleep me makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. Chili sleep makes the Uller, the cube and the doc pro sleep system. They're all water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you with your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. Their sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. They also just launched the brand new doc pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than their other models. It's whisper quiet and it has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. Pair it with the new sleep.me app for enhanced device control and sleep scheduling. Head on over right now to sleep.me forward slash wrestle to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new doc pro cube or Uller sleep system. Now, this offer is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep. S L E E P dot M E slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Chili sleep, dude. Doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely not. You just have a wonderful night's sleep. Wake up cool and refreshed. Love Nothing that. like it. Check it out. Chili sleep. You're going to be glad you did. Sleep dot me forward slash wrestle. Uh, Bruce, here's one from Jacob Walton, and this is a, a topic I wanted to bring up to give us a little bit of time because I know these are not fun topics. Any memories of Don West you can share with us? Wow. You know, we lost Don this week and, and that was a, um, that was a kick in the old co co. Yeah. It was not good, man. Don primarily, you know, in, in the wrestling world, if you will, uh, Don worked TNA and did color commentary there, but what Don really did was Don was the guy behind in many ways, uh, making TNA money, (laughs) making TNA profitable. Uh, because Don did all of their merchandising and, and Don was able to put together packages. When I first went to TNA and I went to a live event and I heard uh, Don and Jeremy Borash on the microphone. And it was, if you've ever um, seen a Charlie Brown special, whenever Charlie's in the teacher's office and the teacher's talking, it sounds like, I I would compare Don and Jeremy to that teacher because they never stopped 
talking the entire show. If there wasn't a match going on, you heard one of those two voices, and they went from one to the other to where they blended in. But the beauty of it, as much as I hated it, um, was Don knew how to make money. And I, I didn't have a lot to do with Don at first. And then as I started coming into the office and being around him, you talk about a, a genius and one of the most warm hearted, just, you know, good guy for the right reasons. Well, there, there was nothing phony about Don West. So I hated when people would say, oh, he's just a phony shill. No, man, there is nothing disingenuous about Don West. And he worked as hard as the day was long. I don't think that you would find anybody that, that would say, oh, man, that Don West, what an asshole. I don't know one. And he just was, was always there with a smile on his face. Um, you never heard the word no out of him. He would figure out ways to make it happen. And he would figure out, you know, ways to, to take it to the next level that nobody else had thought about. And just an absolute, absolute class act that I very proud to have been able to spend time with him. And and you know get to know him, and unfortunately I didn't get to know him nearly as well as I wish I as I wish I could have. But what I did, I learned an awful lot from him, and uh, in many ways taught me temperament. And that was a that was a good thing, and something that I needed at that time in my life there at TNA. And uh, to his family, our condolences, because. Uh, you lost a great man and, and somebody that uh, was near and dear in many people's hearts. I know Mike Tanay's probably taking this one pretty hard. Mike's had a tough year with some of the folks that um, he was close to that he's lost. But um, it's uh, it's a shame, man. It's, it's, it's tough when one of your brothers uh, leaves. And Don West was certainly that. Don, Don meant an awful lot to TNA. And to the business, not just TNA. People think, oh, he was a TNA show. Man, no, dude. Don Don was a QVC, you know, selling stuff on TV long, long before it was cool and making money doing it. So um, great guy, and it will be sorely missed. And uh, my condolences to the West family. Such an awesome guy. Gone way too soon. Um not enough nice words to say about Don West. Uh, here's one uh, about Brian Bosworth. Did you guys ever consider reaching out to Brian Bosworth to do something on screen? I could see him as a heel in the corner of Mr. Perfect for a show or something like that. Uh, I think we did something with Boz in uh, Mid South. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. But uh, we did stuff with Boz in the XFL. And is crazy as and as outlandish as Boz appeared and that persona, I guess he wasn't, wasn't that great. <laughs> you know what I, when I, what I mean by that great guy, super guy, 
but it just um, he was a little lost when the red light came on because he tried to be something else. Right. Ryan Bosworth it was an entertaining guy. Ryan Bosworth is a quick-witted, funny, fun, larger-than-life. He's a guy's guy. You know, he's somebody everybody wants to hang out with at the bar. But when the red light came on, I think that uh, Brian tried to be somebody he wasn't. And we used him in the NXL, NXL, XFL, and and that was about it. That was about it. I've seen him, you know, many times when we've come through where he, where he lives. I think he uh, obviously was in Oklahoma for a while, but I also think in Colorado or something like that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash westwood1. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash westwood1 now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash westwood1. Great question here from, um, Paul. He wants to know who would you say is the most misunderstood person in the wrestling business? Someone who catches a lot of heat with fans, but if they sat down and had an actual conversation with them, they'd say, oh, they're not so bad after all me. Oh Lord. Is that are really- you telling me you don't think I'm misunderstood? Oh no, you are. You are, but I mean, can you give me an answer? That's just not you. Um, I give you a few. Yeah, I, mean, away, I, I think I think Eric Bischoff. Yep, is is a big one. Um, I, I also think you know uh, Paul Levesque. I think uh, you know Kevin Dunn through the years. Uh, the people, oh, Kevin's you know, the a funny, great answer. The, the, the funniest thing is is that many times because of the narratives that dirt sheets and people that just don't know uh, have put narratives out there of what it is. I can guarantee you that 99% of the dirt sheet riders, and I can guarantee you 100% of Dave Meltzer could not tell you what I do. They could not tell you what Eric Bischoff did. They could not tell you what Kevin Dunn does. They, they don't know. They just hear bits and pieces and then they hear, you know, buzzwords and they try and put them together, but they have no clue what, what it actually takes or, you know, give me a week in the life of this person. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Cause they, they don't know. And I, I think that, you know, from a, um, large standpoint, you know, Eric probably is is one of those that is very misunderstood and that if given the opportunity to just sit down and, and talk with him and ask him intelligent questions, 
and and not go in with preconceived answers and thinking you know when you don't have a clue um that would be that would be at the top of the list i think here's one uh jay wants to know what's the best surprise return slash debut you've been involved in huh the best surprise Interesting. I think, um, well, we didn't keep Steve a surprise. So that doesn't count. I was going to say one of Steve's returns, but, but we didn't keep it a surprise. Um, big shows. A surprise was a holy shit moment. That, that people, you know, had no clue what the hell was going on and looked and went, huh? Right. Um, you know, so that, that one was a good one. Um, yeah, there, there have been a few, I think, um, God, that I've been a part of though. It, it's been a few, some been back, but, uh, I think during that time, man, big show was a, was a great surprise. Jericho was a good surprise. The people just didn't, you know, didn't know, weren't really sure. And same thing with um, the uh, radicals when Eddie Guerrero and that crew came in. That was a that was a nice surprise. That was a nice holy shit moment. Middle aged and, and mediocre wants to know when you were first starting out in Houston. When did you first start pitching out booking ideas? What was your first idea that you had that you remember being used? So it wasn't so much in Houston, especially in the early years when I started working during the summers when I, from the time I was 16 years old, I would be able to sit with Bronco Lubitsch and Gary Hart, mainly Gary. And that would be before the shows or, you know, during the day, Paul would leave, they would kind of hang back and they would ask me questions or I would ask questions about, Hey, you know, what do you got? What are you guys doing in in Dallas, you know, it's different than what we're doing here. And I was more, you know, I was listening a lot more than anything. I think that, um, I, I couldn't even tell you the first time that I said, Hey, what, what if we did this? Um, I remember bad ideas that I wouldn't even get into that. I suggested to, uh, Chavo Guerrero, and he thought it was one of the worst, most horrible ideas he'd ever heard in his life. And then two weeks later, uh, did it with somebody else. Um, so there, yeah, that's that's a hard one. But I, my early years, it wasn't so much, hey, what if we did this? It was, why are we doing this? So that I can understand the psychology of what makes you think, you know, going here is going to take us. And then where are we going after that? What's, what's that next beat? So those were the, the formative years. By the time that um, I got to sit in in meetings with Watts and Ken Mantell and people like that, then that was where I could suggest ideas. And, and how about, you know, you know, Butch Reed and Junkyard Dog, things of that nature. And uh, Dog is gone. Let's push Duggan. So it was... The early years, man, I, I was 
more learning. And, and I dare say that even today, you know, it's about why'd you do that? Why would you do that? Well, what's the thought process or, or why uh, I would love to go back when I came up with Vince and say, what was the thought process behind Hogan Andre? Well, everybody thinks, oh, it's simple. It's, you know, it's the biggest match you have in the book. Sure it is. That's easy to say. Ah, you just put this guy against this guy. God, it's made. Okay, great. How do you get there? What do you do? And what's next? And those answers all have to make sense before you just go, oh, it's so easy. This one versus this one. It's, it's there. They're undefeated. They should face each other. Okay. Then what? Because if they're both undefeated, you're going to have a match. You want a winner, right? right? Who is that? What does that do to the other person? Is it better to keep them apart for a little bit longer? Build? Build even more? And then once you get there, you know, now you give me a story to get there versus, oh, well, they just both ha happen to be undefeated. And a lot of times, you know, armchair bookers and armchair quarterbacks will want to, you know, just say, ah, oh, I should have done this. Okay. Then what? Help me out here. You know, well, what would you do now? And that's that's what goes into the process. It's not just, hey, man, you want a WrestleMania-level uh, television show every week? Sure. You're going to get sick of it. And then WrestleMania doesn't mean shit. Every live event, they don't mean shit because you're giving it to them all on TV. And then after you... you Everybody wants the blow-off. Well, after you do the blow-off, then what? Then tell me what's next, because we need to know what's next. It's great to say, ah, I got this idea. It takes you to here. Okay, great. Then what? And that's the part that I think people really don't understand. So in my time of, like, pitching, I, I don't know that really young until I started working with Watson, uh, Ken Mantell, Ernie Ladd, um, and JR was responsible for a lot of that. JR was responsible for saying, Hey, this is a young kid that really loves the business, and you know, let's use it. Jim put me on TV doing uh interviews and things like that, so I, I owe a lot of gratitude to, to Jim Ross for that because he, you know, put me in those meetings sometimes, keep your mouth shut, kid. Okay, but you learn and. You learn a lot more asking questions than being the smartest guy in the room saying, oh, well, you should do this or you should do that. Instead, understand why you're going to do the things you're going to do and where you're going to go from there. It's important to listen and learn. Is there a point of pride? I mean, I know you've told me before, hey, uh, one of the first things I produced as far as like a full show was, was the slammings, but is there an angle in particular you remember seeing on TV or seeing executed and being sort of proud to say, Oh, I did that. I, I know it's old hat at this point, but the first one, does that ring a bell? Do you recall what it was? Well, I mean, my first show that, that I was given was primetime and I got all the, the, the cable shows. All American man, you know, wrote itself. That was Gene Okerlund being Gene Okerlund. 
spotlight that was ins and outs. Primetime was Bobby and Gorilla, who I was an outsider coming in that who's this kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll get to it. But I got I I knew I I knew I was gonna get that reaction because I was a 24-year-old kid. Yeah. And I also knew that if I could just get in the car with them, um, travel with them a little bit, pick their brains, find out what makes them tick much. You know, I kind of knew Bobby from before, not real well, but a little bit, but I didn't know Monsoon at all. And I just took the opportunity, every opportunity I had to, to ride with them and to, to be around them and talk to them. And we built up that trust. And they went to bat for me uh, with the other folks that that were still looking at me like that 24-year-old kid that came from Houston is trying to take everybody's job. So the, the one, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing was, was being able to do prime time and, and have a free reign with that. Um, God, I can't even think it's because it all kinds of, it kind of runs together after a while of, of what, you know, what you did and why and, and everything else. Sure. Chris has a question. That's kind of interesting. Uh, for as long as Bruce worked with Vince, do you remember him ever taking a vacation where he was completely disconnected from the business? Completely disconnected. No, (laughs) that's what I imagined. I, he, he has taken, I think in the, in the 35 years, he, so like he would take vacation, which would mean going down to Florida and enjoying the holidays and what have you. But, um, not like most people would take vacations, but he would not be disconnected. Uh, I'm sure he's tried to be disconnected, but look, man, I tried to be disconnected. And I can't. Right. It's just it's just in your DNA, and you just kind of you have to do something. You have you have to know what the hell's going. What needs to be done? What am I missing? What do? How can I help? Um, that's just life in general. Fireball Steve says, "Hey Bruce, have you ever had a moment in your career where you seriously thought about getting out of the biz? And if so, why did you stay? Plenty of them. Um, you know, you you get." you get frustrated and, and you get beat down and, and tired. I guess tired is the best explanation. But when there, there, it comes in waves, you know, and sometimes you'll, you'll be on that downward wave, you know, that, that bottom of the hill, just feeling like everybody's stomping on you and you can't do anything right. And, the longer that you're there, I think that you start to go, man, is this the best place for me right now? Would they be better off if I just went away? So I've had a few of those. Absolutely. I've had a few of those. Um, you know, there's nights that, that, that would go, go on forever and every single thing, you know, you're sitting up a grill and everything, every segment, every second is wrong. And it all, you know, Hey, 
stops, starts here, stops here. So it all gets on you. And um, Jerry Briscoe, I, again, another reason I love riding with Jerry is Jerry would, would take a lot of that and would calm me down and could be the Bruce whisperer, if you will, uh, to, to kind of calm me down a little bit to get to the point of, now you don't really want to do that, Bruce. What would you do? Let's talk about that. You wake up tomorrow. What what's that going to look like? Um, but yeah, I've had I've had a few of those. I, I've I've quit and had Vince just not accept it. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't understand. I quit. I'm I'm done. I'm this is it. It's my last day. I'm I'm done. Get in the car. Don't want to get in the car. I want to go home. Just get in the car. Go into the city and come back and one big happy family again. So I, yeah, too many. I mean, too many to to, to even think of. And I, I think the worst was when we had a, a human resources person that, that wanted to be the the CEO, COO, chairman. She wanted to be everything that started with a C, and she was one thing that started with a C. Oh. Um, but uh, she was horrible, and she was trying to insulate Vince from everybody, and nobody could talk to Vince if you didn't talk to her first. Was this Lisa Wolf? Yeah. Yeah. And you had to rehearse everything, and, and I, she told me I, you know, it wasn't how it worked, and, and it wasn't how – it wasn't how it worked period. Cause okay. Hey, we're writing TV. We're doing creative. We're booking. We're doing all this stuff. It's like, Vince and I are talking all the time. You can't not, I can't not wait for you to talk to him. And she thought I should. And I just threw up my hands. And when she blocked me after about the fourth or fifth time, I said, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. And I quit and just, you know, it's like, sorry, man. Uh, you can't quit. <laughs> you know, got, he got me in that damn car and uh, made the phone call, called, called, uh, called Lisa and told her, you know, basically leave me alone. JWM says two questions. Has Vince ever listened to the podcast? Second question. When Bruce and Vince were alone, did Vince ever turn to him and say, I was totally wrong about those Zubaz pants. Oh, he's been it a lot of times when he was, uh, totally wrong about things. Don't laugh about it. The Zubaz cracks me up because you've told us before that he made fun of it. And then of course, years later, we would see pictures of him wearing that type shit all the time. Oh yeah. No, he, he wore them then. He loved them. But, um, he, I, he listened, uh, to the podcast. One time I actually played, played it for him. And he listened to about five minutes, five or six minutes of it. And then said, do you speak on this thing? Who's this guy talking? All I've heard is this is hillbilly talking this whole time. Do you, do you speak in this? That's hurtful. I told you that's what he said. Yeah, but you also made sure you. Well, you just asked me. What? Go ahead. Sorry. 
We had some pre-roll ads and you let him listen to the fucking ads, hoping he would use a promo code for our dick pills or whatever we have. Well, duh. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, has Bruce ever seen Vince fire someone on the spot for a screw up at a shoot? Um, not, no, not publicly on the spot like that. No. Um, but, but yeah, pretty quick. Yeah. The Iceman says, well, you know, listen, I started to just move along, but. You said no, and then you sort of walked it back. And well, well, pretty. No, what, what I mean by that, not like you know somebody come back and you're fired. No, nothing ever like that. However, as soon as uh, I get that guy alone, he's fired. Sort of. Yes, thing. I got you. Yes, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of times if someone's going to be fired. Most of the time, most of the time, he is. Uh, he's not going to wait around and and keep him around for too long before he does it. Do you remember who it was that got fired pretty quickly? Can you give us an example? Like, oh, no, that's not what we want. He's out of here. I mean, you know, apparently fired Warrior pretty quickly one night. Um, oh, yeah, after SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to understand, is it, people think because of the character, you're fired. It's like that. No. It's not like that. Right. Um, my favorite thing is when people would think that they, they've got Vince figured out. I got this figured out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to the old man and I'm going to explain to him. And then like, without me, this thing doesn't work. All right. So he knows that we're buddies, man. We joke around and all this stuff when he comes in and then they go in and they talk about, look, Vince, you got to pay me more money because this guy over here, he's offering me a lot more money than what I'm getting here. Better hours. Better everything, but I love it here. Um, so uh, I mean, this is a great opportunity that that I'm being offered over here, and you know, I'd have more time with my family. I'd be making almost fifty percent more than I'm making right now, and Vince will stop him. Congratulations! I've really enjoyed the time with you. Yeah, you're a great asset. You were tremendous, uh, helped the company over the years. I can't stand in your way. Right. Thank you. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. I meant, can you, can I have a raise? You didn't ask for a raise. You told me about this other deal. That's so great. I'm not going to stand in the way of that other deal. Go for it. Go spend time with your family. And so, yeah, it, it, it's, you gotta be careful because it, it's, <laughs> he'll let you step in caca. You just gotta be careful. It, it, it's, well, you know, the other guys are looking at me and they really want me bad. And, uh, okay, man, go do that. Cause it sounds like that's what you really want. Jim Barnett is a great example. Okay. Jim Barnett would constantly, uh, oh, Jim Crockett is calling me all the time. He just wants me to be there. And I just, I, I tell him, Vince, what I, I, you know, I would love to be back in Georgia. And, you know, I'm friends with Ted. And Miss, I said, Jim, 
Call Crockett. Tell him you're coming. You're fired. But my boy, I just wanted, you know, uh, he just wanted to bitch, I guess, or whatever it was. But yeah, what happened to Jim Cornette? I mean, uh, Jim, not Jim Cornette, uh, Jim Barnett. The Iceman uh, wants to know how, how old is too old for an opportunity with WWE? Is there such a thing? I don't think so. Because there's a lot of opportunities to be had. I think you can, you can create an opportunity at any age at any time. You know, is, is Hulk Hogan too old? No. He's still Hulk Hogan. And, and Undertaker will have that argument with me all the time. Or I was like, nah, man, I'm too old to do that. I'm too old to do this. And like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're fine. You're ageless. So it, it really depends. Now, is there a time where you're too old to do uh, flippy Coronas and shit? Maybe so. Yeah. But it works. Nick Bird wants to know, how has the gorilla position changed over the years? Is it too crowded now with four people running gorilla instead of a one or two man operation? Well, for years, gorilla was a table with a monitor, right? Where gorilla monsoon sat, sent people out, tied the matches and gave the cues. That was it. That's all gorilla position was go to gorilla. That was the entrance. Another name for it. As the shows progressed, and especially once we went live, you need a little bit more communication. You you need to be on top of your game a lot more. You need people on deck and need to know where people are. need communication throughout the night. Um, and kind of in a strange way, you know, I, I was a part of so much of that change that every time we get something new, I'd say, hey, can I have this? Can I get another monitor added here? Or can I see what they see in the truck? So that, because I'm looking for things sometimes. And if I have all full camera coverage, I can see without having to ask you, hey, where's so-and-so? Do you think I could talk to the referees? Uh, Just little things that that grew. Uh, One point I wanted to have, everything contained in, in one crate. And so the crate, you would open it up, mash a button and everything would rise up. And I would have my uh, multiple monitors and I would have my workstation here and I would have all my stuff routed the way that I wanted it routed. And uh, we're pretty close to that now, which I, I think is cool as shit, but it's uh it took a long time to get there and it's, and, and I'm still and and the funny thing is, is today, which I'm not supposed to talk, but even today I still am adding and changing and, and, and moving, trying to make that, that even better for me. Mr. Jamie wants to know how good of a wrestler was Gino Hernandez. We've heard you tell the <laughs> stories of how great of a, a character he was how great of an interview and a persona he was, how good of a wrestler was Gino? Uh, Gino was a good wrestler. I'm going to show you something. Um, got to find it here. I got to find it. You're going to dig this. You are. Do, 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 do
Do do. Oh, here we go. Okay. What are we looking See at that? here? Yeah. Uh, that over there, the guy that's not Jose Lothario. Yeah. Is Gino Hernandez? Okay. When he was, this was probably 1974, or 75. Oh wow. Okay. Probably 74. All right. Okay. You like? Did you like? Here, I got another one. There, there, there's another one of it. There. Text those to Silva. He'll make sure they go full screen for our YouTube channel, so you can see these pictures over at somethingtowrestle.com. Where, where'd you get these old pictures, dude? These are pictures that Tom took when Tom was a uh, ringside photographer. Yeah, Superstar that? Billy Graham with brown hair. Probably the only known picture of Superstar Billy Graham with brown hair. That's awesome. Um, the the day what the fuck. No, I don't. I just did something. I made, I made lines on this. Oh no, we're in trouble. Make it go away. But, uh, cool stuff with red Bastine and, uh, blackjack Lanza, blackjack Mulligan the day. Okay. The original day, the Jack Briscoe was supposed to win the NWA world heavyweight championship in Houston, Texas before Dory Dory pulled up lame. Right. Yeah. You know what date that was? Nope. Friday, March 2nd, 1973. That's the program right there. And yeah, pretty cool stuff. That's cool. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Uh, In the 80s, did Hulk ever recommend or did Vince ever seek Hulk's input in bringing in heels for him to feud with while champion? If so, what names were discussed? Always, man, always. Um, Hulk always was looking for monsters. I mean, he suggested Stan Hansen. Um, uh, uh, Swede Benson, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, big jacked up guy from Dallas. Yeah. He, uh, he, he popped up in WCW Jeep okay. Swenson. He was a uh, Batman. Jeep Swenson, yeah. yeah. Um, him Hanson. So like all those guys that were in no holds barred. Why well, a Merry Christmas. You can have a Christmas. Um, why didn't we do that this year? Uh, you were busy. Oh, so, um, all those guys were kind of brought in uh, to be potential Hulk opponents, right? But Hulk, Hulk would look around, man, and look for, you know, giants, if you will, to come in and, and conquer Hulk, like, you know, the bigger, bigger and meaner, the better. It was all about size and, and the look. I think that Hulk would have loved to work with, we talked about him earlier, nails, somebody like that, just cause he's a big, big guy. And somebody for for Hulk to conquer, but um, I know he would always push for Hanson a lot, push for Stan to come in quite a bit. That would have been so much fun. Uh, LED Double O Seven wants to know what masked wrestler drew the most money, Mysterio not included. Uh, monstrous man. In the WWE, where in the WWE is there a masked wrestler who drew money besides Ray? No. Not really. You know, the funny thing is, is this was back in the day, New York, there was a law that you couldn't have a mass wrestler. 
Wow. And there was also a law that you couldn't attend a live event in New York City uh, under the age of 14. So there were no mass wrestlers. There were no, you couldn't attend an event. There were no women wrestlers. Mula was the first. And Don Jardine, who worked as a spoiler everywhere else, came into New York to work for Vince's father, took the mask off. They still called him the spoiler. And he worked everywhere without the mask when he had worked all over the world as a masked spoiler. And guess who Mil Moscaris, when they finally were, you know, due to popular demand, they finally were able to get Moscaris uh, to work in the garden and work in New York. Guess who his first opponent was? Who? The spoiler. Oh, wow. And the unmasked spoiler. And I, I think that went up Don's ass sideways that, you know, this guy comes in, this yes. guy comes in and, and he gets to wear his whole gimmick and all this stuff. And I'm doing the job and without my gimmick, but he's wearing everything else. Spoiler, but just no mask. And knowing Don, I think Don probably would have been a little, little bit peeved at that. Squeegee Luigi wants to know what would Paul Bosch think of today's product? Hate it. Paul would hate it. Paul would hate it. No psychology. Um, cartoon characters. Nobody sells. The, the matches don't mean anything. Um, God, just um, it's too bright. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, go on down the line and have everything that I think that the audience does enjoy, Paul would not enjoy. Paul liked the, the dark the dark feel, the focus on the ring, very dark and, uh, you know, focus on the wrestling. That's it. In as much as I say that Paul still understood the, the whole premise behind, man, if you don't have a great promo, get the fuck out of here. Right. Um, because he, he, he loved, you know, good promo guys, but he didn't think that that was the end all be all. He thought the match is true, but he also understood a personal issue will outdraw a championship match any and every day of the week. Right. Here's one. We get this all the time in various uh, forms. Matthew Boyce says, do you think Vince would ever consider doing a similar style weekly podcast? No, of course not. I can't imagine not his thing. Um, uh, Costin says you recently used the term house show match. What kind of match is that the kind of match where wrestlers wrestle without giving a hundred percent? Why is this? So all oh, no, European no, 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 markets no, no. only have house shows. So does this mean we never get the 100% WWE experience? Oh God. No, not, not at all. What I mean, what I mean by a house show match is a house show match and a television match are different in that a television match. You're working to the cameras. Yes. You're work. You're working to the millions on the other side of the cameras, a house show match. You're working to the audience in the arena that night. And I think I could argue that in, you know, some ways in every way, yeah, Bruce, I, a house show match is way more fun, right? Because Everywhere. you're, you're involved is, is an audience member. You're more involved 
and you know television we're working to the millions you know behind the cameras that are watching and in a house show match you're working to that live audience it's there that night man and, and it's a it's a part of it so probably i mean to me they're equal but they're different well, listen, I understand, you know, maybe the frustration is a lot of times things of quote unquote consequence in a storyline that doesn't happen on a house show, but what does happen is you get a, a more relaxed, more loose, more fun, more crowd involved show on a house show. And I know some of my friends and uh, that are quote unquote smart marks or whatever you want to call it. They really only want to go to the television tapings and the pay-per-views. I prefer the house shows. I think you're going to have more fun. It is a more fun live experience to me on a house show level, Bruce. I do too. And you know, it's funny. I will like, I'll go out in the crowd and watch a in live event, my area with no TV. I'll go out and I'll enjoy just sitting in the audience yeah. and listening, listening to everybody around me. And, and watch because it is more fun. You get to try more things in a live event. It Television, no, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. In a live event, oh, hey, let's try this tonight. So you can experiment. You can have more fun and just a lot more interaction. And, yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably better. Uh, St- Steven wants to know, I would like to know Bruce's first impressions of Conrad when they first met. Hmm. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> That's awesome. So you want to tell you, you want to tell everybody a story? Oh, if you'd like, yeah. So I am at, I think, well, no, I know. I'd already thrown away my brother love stuff. Yeah. So I'd already gone over the uh, bridge to Galveston. So yep. I'm coming back from Galveston. So Galveston Bay's right below. I've already thrown my uh, brother love stuff out, and that was in June or July, probably June. And I'm sitting at this house that I hate, bankrupt. Um, just at the bottom. I mean, I was, you know, where like in a totem pole, like at the very bottom where the dirt comes up around the right. bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was about six feet below that. Oh, wow. Okay. Just feeling sorry for myself, just miserable. And it was a Sunday afternoon and I'm sitting in my chair watching football. You know how much I love to do that. And I watch football on my phone. Go doodly doo. And I go look at it. There's a strange phone number there. It says, Hey, you don't know me. <laughs> my name yeah. is Conrad Thompson. That's true. And uh <laughs> I've worked with and he gives me a list of fucking I got your number from Ric Flair. Yeah. I worked with Michael Hayes, Rock and Roll Express, gave me a list of all these guys. And I was wondering if you know you might consider we have a group of people that you know like to talk wrestling, like to pick brains. We've done it with you, blah, 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 blah. Call, and basically it was call, call Michael Hayes, call Ric Flair, call these guys I've worked with and, and, uh, They'll see if this that I'm not you'd crazy, like to do. Yeah. That I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, then we found out different. They lied. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, 
I called him, and everybody was like, oh, my God. You're going to go do that? He doesn't let anybody onto the compound. Here. Oh, my God. Will you listen to this? That's true. Oh, well, listen. And so he offered to find me out, come and talk with his friends, spend a weekend. Um, I drank from, what, 1130 that day until 230 <laughs> that night? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. I never, like, put every one of his, you know, drinking buddies to sleep. That's true. By far. Yes. Yes. And he's now, like... You know, doing this is just, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking, I'm looking around. You know, I, I forget what, what floor we were on, what level we were on. We were in the basement. Um, yeah, we were in the basement. So I'd, I'd come down from like the sixth floor down the elevator because I didn't want to use the escalator because it just, yeah, pretentious. Um, and I was there and I look at him and go, man, what the fuck do you do? <laughs> that is the exact, now, that is now, the exact uh, way I remember it. I spent the day there at uh, <laughs> Alabama versus Texas A&M. Yes. All these people were going uh, rolling tide. And I'm sitting there going, whoop, which is the Texas A&M thing. And I hate Texas A&M. Not an Aggie. Not a fan. Got a bunch of friends that are Aggies. Obnoxious to sell. Uh, so, but I'm I'm an Aggie on this day because I'm in Alabama. Yes, you're and a heel, I'm, and I and I'm a heel. And Conrad sits down next to me, and I am I am busting every. I don't know any of these people. Nope. And I'm busting everybody's balls. Yeah. And uh, A and M scores. I said. <laughs> Yeah, time for all you damn Alabama pussies to go to bed. It's over. And Conrad just looks at him and goes, you really are a heel in real life. And I just looked at him and went, yes, sir, I am. I loved it. And and it was, it was fun. It was just, and I'm not someone that can, I don't like people overall. <laughs> <laughs> And and to be in some strange house and busting on people, I I like I don't know if the next thing they're going to do is take me out back and throw me out the mansion over the fucking cliff. He's got like this big uh, bottomless pit, <sighs> a hole that like they throw things into, and I didn't want to go into that. Right, be heard from again. Right, and uh, yeah, I mean he had police there. Sure. Uh, they, <laughs> and I shit you not again, I drank from 1130 AM till about two thirty yeah, AM. That's true. And the cop gave me a breathalyzer at around 11 PM and I passed. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I do have police friends and, uh, I do recall there being a lot of alcohol consumed and before people were saying, Oh, I'm going to head out. They'd blow the old breathalyzer that day to make sure they were okay. And I passed. You did pass. Yeah. And I was like, I said, well, that says something for your, uh, <laughs> for your breathalyzer there, buddy. But I was fine. I was good. So, uh, but you know, uh, we started talking about what he did mortgages and stuff. We just started talking about shit. And then, uh, said, well, he talked about opening something in Houston. I said, okay, well, shit, maybe I could do something there. And I thought about it for maybe a week or two and called him. And then we just 
became friends, started working together and doing shit. And one day he said, oh, you ought to do a podcast. This is this is a podcast. I said, yeah, I don't even know what a podcast is. I'm not going to do it. Ta-da. Something Russell was born. And the, uh, it, took a, it took a lot longer than yeah, to yeah. Well, the story was, uh, as you recall, we had done that long shoot in Nashville and, uh, we drive all the way back and it's a long day. And, uh, I turned to you and say, Hey man, what happened when the radicals jumped from WCW to the WWF and you pivoted in your chair, 90 degrees to face me. And we just talked just like we do right now on the show for over an hour. And I said, dude, this, this is a podcast. Ah, oh, no, nobody wants to hear my stories. Who wants to hear that? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Ah, oh, you can't make any money in podcasting and it's just a hassle to find guests every week. It's just, uh, I don't want to do that. No, no, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Just what we just did. If we would have recorded that folks would have really dug it. Eventually I wear you down. Ta-da. You agree to record in my living room. Uh, with a couple of handheld mics, just shooting the shit about Coco beware and Akeem and all the nonsense. And here we are. Yeah. I think it worked out. I think it did. You know, I mean, uh, the enticing thing I remember was, Hey, no man, cause you won't make any money, but you get a bunch of cool shit. <laughs> well, I think if you recall, I said, Hey, I'll sling some mortgages through here, but uh, think about how many, well, no, I wasn't, it wasn't even you that, that, that made that pitch. It was somebody else. that was like, no, I mean, it's cool. Cause you might be able to pay like a bill. I, I kid you not. You might be able to pay a bill once a month, but you get some cool shit. Yeah. My pitch was, Hey, uh, you just started your pro wrestling tea store. We could sell a whole bunch of t-shirts on here. And we started to do the old, uh, don't put a T in his name, put one on your back at BrucePritchard.com. And now of course you can do that at boxagimmicks.com. And man, who would have thought, isn't it crazy to think that was 2016 and here we are in 2023 now, where does the time go? You're getting old. I am. You're yeah. getting old. I mean, I think this is, this is a big year for you. Is it not hitting the old, the old six Oh, just just another year, man. Just oh. another year. The ball keeps bouncing. She keeps going on down the road, man. Where it stops, nobody knows. What'd you uh what did Stephanie think when you came home and said, Hey, uh I think I might start a podcast again. Like that to me feels like something she would have been like, wait a minute, what? And yeah, course, she didn't know what it was either. Yeah. She's like, okay, honey, are you going to be in your office? Great. <laughs> Cause then my office was a completely separate. It was detached from the house and whole different ball of wax. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are in a whole different ball of wax for 2023 with the holidays behind us. If you've been thinking, Hey man, how am I going to pay for all this Christmas credit card debt? Save with Conrad.com to the rescue. We are routinely helping our podcast listeners say five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month. Seriously, if you've got credit card debt, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got a car loan, if you've got debt that you'd like to pay off faster 
And with cheaper monthly payments, we can make it happen for you at savewithconrad.com. Now you've probably heard people saying things like, Hey, date the rate, marry the house. Well, that's exactly true. The idea being you want to get your family in the house you really want to be in because in the end rates are going to go up or down. You can always refinance later, but get the right house at the right price. And that same thing is true when you're thinking about your current debt, because the reality is what's the old saying. It's not how much you make, but how much you keep, keep more of your own money. If you can get a better rate than what you're getting on your credit cards, which are what 19%, 29%, you know, you can do better. Why not get a cheaper monthly payment? Why not get a greater tax deduction? Why not skip your next two house payments? Let us take a look and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you've got the best deal for your family with my family at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and I want to mention too, because this is important. We are the home of the seven year guarantee. If rates improve at any time over the next seven years, we'll refinance you again. How about that? You won't have to pay two whole sets of closing costs. We're going to get rid of our origination. How about that? It's going to save you thousands of dollars. It gives you the peace of mind of knowing you save the most money possible right now, but long-term man, you're going to have the best deal you ever had at SaveWithConrad.com. Skip your next two house payments. Find out how much money you can save. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And we don't say no, we say not yet, but here's how. So maybe you're nervous and think, man, I filed bankruptcy a few years ago. I don't think I can do this. Or I was late on a credit card last month. I don't think I can do this. Yes, you can. You just got to know who you're talking to. Why not talk to me? Save with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Hey, and don't take my word for it. Check it out, man. We got an A plus with the Better Business Bureau. We've been nominated for their torch award several times. Read some of our reviews at conradreviews.com. I think our average rating is 4.72. You know what that means? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Save with conrad.com. Bruce, that's going to wrap us up today. Keep that music going, Silva. Let's just play us out here. It's kind of a vibe. Next week, man, you and I are getting. Huh? You got somewhere else to go? No, I'm good, man. I just. You know, we've gone two hours and you normally, uh, don't give me this much time. So I was trying to be respectful of your time, but if you want some more questions, let's rapid fire, baby. I'm ready. Well, I mean, if you're doing something else, I could just fill in for them. Well, Hey, since you're into it, Mike wants to know what venue has the nicest bathrooms. Wow. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what a really good one was, was Fort Lauderdale. Really? Yeah. Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, uh, was good dressing rooms, nice bathrooms. Got to be clean. Got to be separate. Got to be, you know, full doors. Felix wants to know, Bruce, who's your favorite person to mimic? I don't mimic anyone. Oh, you like doing Jim Cornette. You like doing Vince. Those are caricatures, Connie. All right. Well, who do you like to caricature, Bruce? It all depends. I, I, you know, I think, I think I fall into dusty more than anything with just kind yes. of natural with people kind of looking at me and going, what the fuck is he talking about over here? Yes. I go, stop looking at me like that. I'm genius and bitch. Leave me alone. I was just, I was just sitting here. I was, I was looking around my little, my little umbrella over here. And I got some controversy and motherfuckers up on the wall. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. Probably dusty is easiest to go on into and just kind of 
everybody gets it, even when they don't. Mr. Williams says, why do you feel Vince Russo has so much disdain for you and WWE people? Uh, don't know. You're asking the wrong person on that one. I, a- I have no idea why Vince Russo feels the way he feels about anything. Bobby B wants to know. We often hear of Valentine. What's that? Bobby V from Bobby Valentine's Bobby B is in Bonilla. Oh. oh, we often hear of talent over the years, getting burnt out and needing time off. Was there ever any point where Vince McMahon was burnt out or needed time off? Never. How does that not happen? Different breed, different breed just keeps going. It's like the, the energizer bunny just keeps on going. Todd Smith going down the road. Resident smartass wants to know, Bruce, what's your favorite company line you love to tow? A company line that I like to tow? I don't have any tow lines. I got I got ten toes and oh, they are beautifully pedicured too. Wait, what was your most recent pedicure? Um wait, what day is today? Today's month Thursday. So you got one like two days ago. Three days ago. Yeah. Well. Absolutely. And man, she digs in there. And every time, man, she like digs in and she like finds like an ingrown toenail or something. And then she likes to show it to me. Okay. But usually in the middle of that shit, I ask her if I owe her money. Oh. Like, do I owe you money? Like, stop. But then it feels much better afterwards. Get the little massage on the feet and everything. Real tough. Manicure. Yeah. See? Christian Flay yeah. wants to know, do you believe Shane Douglas will ever be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Probably not. Why not? Uh, I don't think he did enough in WWE. I think uh, Shane's definitely had a Hall of Fame career. Without a doubt. You know, he's... he's uh, look, man... It's it's kind of like people like to knock Shane for various reasons, and you know one of them being the the trashing of the NWA title and making ECW. Well, I kind of look at it as you know like what Shawn Michaels did with Brett. That was something that that Shane did to have a job, and that was something you know to promote a new company. And I, I respect that. I thought okay. Um, that took balls to do that because it's not a very popular thing to do. And he did it. And I think Shane was a hell of a worker and probably uh, should have done a lot more than he did. Mike Sloan wants to know in a shoot, who would have won between the Fink and Harvey Whippleman? Oh, Fink. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu master. Jiu-Jitsu master? Yes. Okay. Jiu-Jitsu master Finkelson. Uh, Darren wants to know in terms of gross tonnage, how much marijuana do you think Bruce has smoked throughout his life? <laughs> uh, somebody wants to do the math. There was, um, a very long period where I probably consumed roughly maybe an ounce a week. Let's call it six years easily. Probably a little more, but I mean, that's being. So maybe yeah. six, seven tons, something like that. I don't know. Probably a lot though. Like a Ford expedition size. 
No, I, I, maybe. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Because I used to, I used to uh, get a quarter pound at a time and put it in my freezer. Oh, okay. I get it, I'd clean it, and then I'd kind of package it, package it off, just so I kind of knew <laughs> in my own head why I don't know, just uh, what I was doing, and um, I yeah. I, it was better than drinking because I, I didn't uh, no hangover yeah. or anything like that. I I didn't I didn't like to get drunk, even though I did. But uh, it was just felt better. Took the edge off. Jeff Brister says, "Sadly, we lost Brian Pillman in October '97. If he was still with the company at Survivor Series in Montreal, what do you think his reaction would have been?" Frankly, I think that Pillman would have loved it. It feels like something that would have been like, up he would have thought that was great, man. And he would have thought about a million and one things to do with it after the fact that, that for sure. I really, really and truly believe that. Ian wants to know, did Vince test out? No, not asking that one. Uh, Danielle wants to know alternative plans for the rumble 92 winner. Was anything else considered that you recall? besides Rick winning, I know that you weren't there at the time, but I know you had friends and I'm sure you heard rumors. I guess what I'm asking is, were you surprised they went with Rick? I know you're watching from the outside, but, or would you have imagined they were going to go a different direction? Uh, I think there was speculation as to uh, possibly putting it on, uh, doing something with Sid. Yeah. I think Rick was the right call, but performance of a lifetime that night. Amazing. But I think that there were probably those that felt, uh, could have been, should have been, would have been Sid. Um, Meltzer, uh, Damien says, uh, it's uh, yeah, about you, you were trying to get me hot with that. Well, no, listen, there was a Meltzer reference on another question, but I'm like, we've had a good show. Let's not bring him up. Damien says, was there panic backstage when the crowd booed Hogan and chanted for Sid justice when flair won the rumble? I wasn't there. No, I'm with you, but I'm saying, do you remember Vince ever wondering? Cause we saw it a lot with Cena and, and I'm sure some of it existed with Hogan back in the day, but I was a little kid. So I don't remember it as vividly as I do the Cena stuff, but it felt like there was a long stretch of time where fans were just rejecting John Cena. They did not want this baby face, you know, eat your Wheaties, blah, blah, blah. John Cena. They really wanted a Cena heel turn. We never got it. Do you remember there being a time where it felt like the audience was turning on Hulk the same way? I do. Yeah. I, I definitely felt that in 92, 91 and 92. Yes. Yeah. I thought the audience was, was kind of tired of the say your prayers, take your vitamins and we're, we're ready for that. Vince wasn't ready for it. Here's one that, uh, we've never really discussed in this manner. And I'm interested to hear your answer. Jason wants to know which member of the McMahon family is more sociable to talk to. Hmm. That's a good question. Probably Stephanie and Vince. You think I mean, they all, they really, they really, they all are. 
I know that's you think Stephanie and Vince are more sociable or more it's Linda, think, right? It's gotta be Linda. Yeah, I mean, really, really and truly they all are. They, they really and truly all are. Right. I think people get intimidated by just the, the, the name and the presence and the aura, but they're all pretty just people. Uh, Jake white wants to know, can you talk at all about the WrestleMania album in 93, especially how the hell you got Bret Hart to sing a love song? Was oh god! <laughs> so ninety, I think I think that was that Slam Jam. It was a WrestleMania album, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, maybe it was. But I think that may have been the one with Simon Cowell. Oh, okay, that, that we did when we went over. Uh, there was this British yes, guy. Yes, yes, it is Simon Cowell. Correct. Okay, so yeah, Slam we went Jam. over. And, and we did a, a tour basically of, of all of our partners, uh, television with canal plus and, uh, sky sports. And, uh, there's a group in Germany that we were going to meet with and Simon Cal and I believe Simon Fuller was his name. They wanted to meet with us and we met with them in Germany in a bar. Simon had this Simon Cal had this philosophy that he was, he was a producer, he was a successful record producer, but his concept was one of, he goes, man, he says to get a great singer, to get them airplay, which was still a big thing at the time on radio, you had to go through so much from payola to uh, whatever he goes. But if you have a star, a television star, they don't even have to be good singers and they'll sell more albums because people know who they are. It's so hard to introduce new talent in the marketplace these days. He says, but I believe that if you could introduce them through the television medium, they would be, you know, instantaneous stars in many respects because people can now see them and relate to them. We were, uh, doing huge business in the UK. Our television show was great. And he said, because what I'd like to do, because I want to throw out is to do an album with the superstars on the television show. Because they don't have to be good singers. Because I'll surround them with good singers. I'll surround them with good music but they need to be the faces. They need to be the star. They need to be the, uh, the performer, if you will. He goes, and then I want to uh, play that on your television show for a period of however many weeks. And we did the album. We did the videos. We put the videos on TV and in like two weeks, it was platinum. Wow. So he had proved he had had this concept of, you know, Britain's got talent or the world's got talent, you know, what, what came to be, you know, America's got talent, UK's got talent, whatever. And that was his concept. American Idol well, was his show, I think, originally. American Idol, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, well, America's got talent is his show too, but. Yeah. Um, so he, he did this, he proved it out, and then that helped him sell American Idol and an idol in the UK because he, he said, he goes, look, he goes, I took these guys because these guys can't sing, but they sell more, they sell more records than the best singers in the world. Right. He says, imagine 
If you have the best singer in the world and they're a television star, we make the best singer a TV star and uh, put them, you know, on on TV with their song goes, we'll sell more albums. You can never imagine. And that was his concept. And that's how he, that's how he came up with, with American Idol. And the, the other thing I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget was we had a meeting with them in Stanford. Now Vince was not in the meeting that we had in Germany. That was me, Shane, Wayne DeBan, me, Shane, Wayne DeBan, and the two Simons. And we told them all about it. So it sound like a cool concept. Come on over. They're coming to the States. They want to pitch this now to Vince. And we're all in it. And it was a Friday. Now, we had a rule on Friday. Friday was casual Friday, which means you could wear jeans. Now, if you were meeting with outside uh, people, the idea was you, you should wear a suit and tie. Well, I had already met with these guys. And they both dressed exactly like you see them on TV, jeans, T-shirt. That was dressing up for them. So this, I'm, I'm, I don't want them to feel like, oh, my, we're a bunch of stuffed suits. So I wore jeans. I wore a sport coat. I wore a polo shirt. And we go in. We had a morning meeting. And again, a very unusual as well was we had bagels and we had breakfast items. Everybody sits down. People grab, uh, you know, coffee. They grab a uh, orange juice, whatever. They get their bagel. They get their Danish. And J.J. Dillon got a bagel. He's got his cream cheese, and he's putting it on and all stuff. We have our meeting. Finish up with the meeting. And Vince stops me and uh, J.J. Everybody's walking down the hall and goes, "God damn, it's embarrassing." So what's that? JJ, you're in there. Like you got your bagel. Yeah, you're putting the cheese and just stuff in your face, trying to have a meeting. I'm like, oh, but it was a breakfast meeting. <laughs> Everybody was eating, not just JJ. Everybody was eating, and JJ kind of nodded, and JJ walks away. <laughs> then he looks at me and goes, "And you." Don't ever wear jeans again. <laughs> and walked in his office. Oh my god! And I was like, "All right, uh, I won't do that." Ross Campbell wants to know what did you think of becoming Ric Flair on Peacock? What? What did you think of becoming Ric Flair, the new documentary on Peacock? I enjoyed it. Boy, that was, was a good. Great answer. Yeah, that was good. El Conquistador Gaming has the question that everybody wants the answer to here, Bruce. This will take us home. Ask him why he buried so many people. Why'd Who? You, you. Why'd you bury so why many people? Why I bury people? Yeah, why'd you bury so many people, Bruce? Who have I buried? I mean, I'm just reading the question. I don't think I've ever buried anybody. Oh, really? You don't think yeah. you've ever buried anybody? I think people probably may perceive that again, that don't understand. Wow. They've never met me. They've never talked to me beyond clips and excerpts that they've seen here. And they just believe the rumor and innuendo. Correct. Yeah. 
Well, I believe that is going to be the end of what was supposed to be our last show of 2022, but it is effectively our first show of 2023. If you'd like to uh, check us out on video, by all means do so over on YouTube. It's something to wrestle.com. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, pick up your swell yourself, some something to wrestle swag over at box If you would love to follow Bruce on Twitter and never actually see a tweet from him, it's at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. We're on Instagram at the Bruce Pritchard at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. But of course we'd love to have your interaction with our show. Uh, those are at Pritchard show on both Twitter and Instagram, something to wrestle on Facebook. And, uh, next week, Bruce, we're going to be doing something pretty fun. We're going to be talking about some of the most memorable moments, some of your top moments in Monday night Raw's history. I can't believe this is real, but as we're talking here in January of 2023, Monday night raw is 30 years old. Wow. Wow is right. Who would have thought it was just to get over the gap and save some money. (laughs) And it became a whole thing. Yeah. A major whole thing. Uh, any, uh, any new, uh, new year's resolutions you maybe want to share with us today as we're starting uh, 2023 off with a bang. Nah, just to be happy. Let's all just be happy. How's that? I like it. Let's do it. We'll hope to be happy and see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. You are so obsessed with betting. I don't need to bet. <laughs> you're adamant that you're going to win, and what I'm adamant I that to you're not like, going to win. Why does, why does money have to be you're, exchanged? You're a realist. Like, he believes it, you believe it. Why is that? Well, that's no fun in that. It's a conversation that you can have, and then Monday, it's just like, I told you so. I mean, that's Definitely. verbal currency. There's nothing fun there. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.